0: So tell us a little bit about your mortgage background and how you decided to transition into real estate from there. Welcome to this week's episode of Hey Homegirls. Hey Homegirls, on this week's episode, we are in Bow, New Hampshire with Ashley Gendro. Ashley is an agent that works for the same brokerage I do, and she is by far my home gal. So let's dig in and hear her story. Hey homegirls, welcome to this week's episode of the Hey Homegirl podcast. I have an unbelievably special guest with us today, my very own Ashley Jendo, who is my homegirl hence the t-shirts some of you might not be able to see them out in podcast world but for our youtube viewers we are rocking matching t-shirts that ashley got for me as a gift and we try to wear them every time that work together one of the places that you can follow ashley is at her instagram channel she is at your home gal ashley and she works for the same brokerage she has a really unique story and she brings so much to the table so ashley is licensed in three states currently
1: Yes, ma'am.
0: So she's licensed in three states, but you also have a mortgage background and you're an executive assistant for the leader of our company who has over 800 agents. So you are wearing so many amazing hats.
1: Yes. I do. And on top of being licensed in three states and executive or project manager for our brokerage, I also have a degree. And that degree is a very unique degree because it's in American Sign Language slash English interpretation as well. So if I ever run across a hard of hearing person or a deaf person and they're looking for a house, I can at least communicate with them through the show and then I know all the resources to go to to help get them equal access for the negotiations, for the closing, for the home inspection. Because I'm not a licensed interpreter. So anything that I could say, and if I were to say it wrong, they could take me to court and sue me just like in the real estate world. If we misrepresent something or we don't disclose something, we can get sued. Our brokerage can get sued. It's kind of the same idea not being a licensed interpreter. So I have that background as well. So I'm kind of a multifaceted person, I guess. And I think that's
0: why you and I get along so good, because we both have this passion to better ourselves and for education.
1: Yes. I'm always willing to learn new stuff and even if on the first try I don't get it, And here's just how tenacious I am or how persistent I am. It took me more times than I'm willing to admit to pass the national exam for real estate. I know it doesn't matter. But to me, I had to take it more than five times. I missed it by mere points every time, but I kept at it. And the last time I took the test, I walked out of there feeling like I finally did it. And then I got my, my sheet and I saw that I passed. And I went in my car and I freaking cried for five minutes before I left. Because I'm like, holy crap, I just passed this test that I've taken so many times. And I think the reason why I passed is because... I realized that I had to think like I was the test. And for the national test, it's very different than the state test because any state law test that you take to get your real estate license in another state, it's black and white. There's no or this answer. You have to pick the better of the two. For the national, you have four answers. Two of the answers could be correct, but you have to pick the better of the two correct. So I always would second guess myself Mm -hmm. and then I finally started to say I know this stuff why am I second guessing myself so when I turned my mindset around about the test that's when I finally passed And I had been changing my mindset all along. So like the fifth, the sixth, the seventh, the eighth time, I finally passed on that ninth time taking the test. I was like, I can do this. If I can get licensed in New Hampshire, I can get licensed in other states because if anyone else can do it, I can do it. And that's the attitude of someone else in our brokerage another top producing agent. I have that same attitude. I just don't go out and say that that's my attitude. I kind of like to be quiet about my stuff. And I like my work to show. I don't like to flaunt what I do. I like my work, work ethic and what I do and how I treat my clients. Yourself. So I'm a little different than other realtors like that, because you don't see me posting on social media like, oh, I have this list appointment or oh, I have this upcoming listing." I keep that to myself. And because you never know, like something could go wrong and you don't get the list, and at the last second or something could go wrong with a home inspection and you're not under contract anymore. Or there's a lot of things that can happen. So I try and keep, you know, for my clients confidentiality as well, I try and keep that quiet until it closes or until it's rented or until it's sold. So I work a little different than a lot of realtors. Social media, yes, I know we need it. I know I need to get better at posting my IG stories and, you know, tips from the Outback every week. But I'm like our, I'm like our CEO of our brokerage. I find social media to be a nuance and a pain in the butt. So I only do it when I have something that I really want to, to shout out to the world because everyone knows me. They know I'm in real estate. They know who I am. They know I'm licensed in three states. They might not know I have a sign language background, but that's fine. So I'm like, I don't need to flaunt who I am because they already know who I am.
0: Yes. And it's beautiful that you were able to overcome that adversity and not let that limit you. You overcame that and then you move forward to get licensed in multiple states, which is so amazing.
1: And I'm not done yet. I want to get licensed in Vermont too, at some point.
0: That's awesome. That's so good. And then maybe Connecticut and Rhode Island.
1: I could be to like Providence in like an hour and a half, but why would I want to drive an hour and a half to Rhode Island when I could be to Maine in 50 minutes where I could be to Vermont in 50 minutes from my house and from most of our offices, they're so close that I don't see a need to get licensed in Connecticut or Rhode Island. I mean, the only reason to maybe get Rhode Island would be to get Florida, but I have no interest in getting Florida. So Connecticut and Rhode Island and Florida to me are, are off Those the are table, out but you know our broker our owner she's like who knows where the next office is going to open. cheese. like, it could be Chicago. It could be North Carolina. It could be New York, Kentucky, who knows? So maybe down the line, I'll get like another state, like maybe New York or North Carolina or whoever, you know, but Connecticut, Rhode Island and Florida, not for me. Not
0: at this time. It's mm-hmm. good that you understand that about yourself and that you know how to set goals for yourself. That's awesome. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about your mortgage background and how you decided to transition into real estate from there.
1: So My mortgage background is as a mortgage processor. So I processed mortgages for right around four and a half, five years and COVID. So interest rates were in the twos, low threes. So I was working crazy hours, 12, 14 hour days, some days for a company on the seacoast. And then I didn't really have any incentive to stay at the company. I'm not going to name names just for privacy reasons. And then when I left that, I went to another mortgage company. I worked remotely from my house for just over a year before they laid me off due to them not having the budget in their finances to keep me for 2022. And while I was a mortgage processor, I was doing real estate part time. So I had already had my real estate license before I became a mortgage processor. So having a mortgage background can help me if I have clients who are FHA or VA and we go see homes and they ask me, hey, what do you think the appraiser will call out? I always caveat, you know, there is some peel and or there is a handrail that's not on a staircase. It's up to the appraiser. So appraiser discretion, if they call it out or not, not every appraiser is the same. So I guide them and I educate them, but I always caveat that it's, appraiser discretion what one appraiser might call out on one house a different appraiser might call out not all appraisers are the same they're not all going to look at the house the same do fha in va they have to follow yes but that doesn't mean they do the appraisals the same way
0: And it's still open to their own interpretation of what the regulations are and their interpretation of the condition of the home.
1: Correct. And sometimes with VA, there's something called Tidewater. Not a lot of realtors know what that is. And that's just something for VA loans. If there's a discrepancy in the price or you want to justify why you offered what you did, you can do something called Tidewater. And that's only for VA. But the appraiser has to enact that or start the process of Tidewater.
0: Yes, I was actually having that discussion yesterday with as I walked them through the home that you know sometimes it does depend on what mood the appraiser is in that day when they show up at the house. If they have a whole list of homes to get done by the end of the day, they might rush through it and miss things. But another day that they might be slow, they might be more nitpicky about certain conditional items. So it's always important as an agent to follow up with the lender and ask, did the home appraise at value? And were there any conditions that are outstanding?
1: Yes, and with VA appraisal, they take a minimum of 10 days. It's not like you'll get it within three or four days, you know, because the VA, it has to go through the VA and then it assigned a case number and all of this stuff. So it takes a lot longer for VA appraisals and not, that's not common knowledge to most realtors. And they're like, why is the appraisal taking so long to get done? Or I haven't been contacted by an appraiser. And it's like, you have a VA financing. VA loans are a totally different animal than your FHA and your conventional and your US SDA. VA is a completely different animal when it comes to appraisals.
0: Yeah, so that's important for newer agents that might be listening in to understand that you're going to want to talk to your preferred lender, understand how to structure your offers, and always understand that there are different timelines depending on not only the market conditions, but the loan types that are out there also.
1: And perfect example that you mentioned is talking to your lender. So with my clients that are under contract in Western New Hampshire, they're VA buyers. So even before we did an offer, I sent the property over to the lender and I said hey I said is there anything that I need to know that needs to go in the offer as far as a seller credit if a seller credit is needed how much of a seller credit etc etc. He told me that yes, we would need to do so. So, I already had all of that knowledge even before I went and showed the clients this house that we would need to do a seller credit. And with the VA as well, when you do a seller credit, you have to put in certain verbiage. Otherwise, the VA lender will kick it back and say, No, we're not going to take this seller credit because it has to cover closing costs, discount point, and prepaid. Yeah. So, that verbiage has to be in your seller credit offer if you're going to ask for a seller credit for a VA because if not, they're not going to take the seller credit because what's it going to cover, you know, and we the VA. That money, yeah. about that.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode. We're not quite finished yet, but as the home girl of your hometown, I would love to pass the mic to you so that you can share your story and some of your secrets with the home girl community to apply. Please go to how to be in the show notes. Yeah. So this is a great point for our viewers to understand that, you know, you might hang your license at a brokerage and you might have an amazing mentor or you might have to train yourself. And some brokerages will say about mortgages, leave that up to the professionals. But the more that you can educate yourself on the language and the terms and the different types of mortgages that are out there, the better you're going to be able to not only service your clients, but the easier you're going to find it to work with other lenders that are out there, you know, because you'll have that knowledge base, which is one of the things that I think just makes your story
1: so great I thank you and another point that you say is that a lot of newer agents or even experienced agents have no idea what trade is they don't know mm-hmm. what regulation z is and i'm like you've been a realtor for 10 plus years and you you don't know what trade is you don't know what regulation z is you don't know that if your buyers don't sign the closing disclosure three days prior to closing you can't close i'm so flabbergasted that there's so many agents in the industry that don't know what any of that is because they don't take the time to educate themselves on the mortgage process. And I feel lucky. Well, I don't know if I want to say I feel lucky, but I feel empowered. Yes, empowered. And I feel more educated as a realtor. But I feel like I can educate my buyers more than your average agent can. Because if a listing agent knows that I have a mortgage background, and I understand the whole process, whether it be the mortgage and the transaction side on the real estate side, more often than not, they're going to go with my offer. found I mean I don't flaunt that I'm like a mortgage processor or I have that knowledge but I have had some listing agents ask me they're like how do you know all of this verbiage they're like I don't see this in typical offers so when I have a conversation with them that I have a mortgage process and background so that's how I know and they're like oh so you understand regulation Z and Trit and I said yeah and I had an offer that got accepted one time because I had that knowledge where there was four other offers on the table and they didn't have that knowledge so I mean Granted, it didn't end up working out because the buyer backed out at home inspection, but that just goes to show that no matter what your background is, it can always be useful in some way, even if you don't think it's going to be.
0: 100%, 100%. And it's so important as an agent, understand that you're running your own small business and it's your job to educate yourself on all aspects of our industry. So take your preferred lender to lunch, take two or three different lenders to lunch, learn about their process, learn about their timelines, and then turn around and do the same with an attorney. A good closing attorney who wants to earn your business will take the time to answer your questions. Understand what the biggest objections are that come up for title issues. You know, understand why a missing discharge can take money fine. Understand why a probate that wasn't filed correctly could really inhibit your client's ability to sell the house down the road. And or always, it, always, always recommend title insurance.
1: Right. Or even in some states, outstanding oh, child support, you can't close until that child support has been paid. Yes. And whether be yeah. paid. The, and you can't pay it at the closing table. It has to be paid prior to, and it has to be shown that it is paid. Otherwise, there's mortgage. There's lenders out there that won't give you the mortgage, and they won't approve the mortgage because you have outstanding debts that need to be fulfilled. And if you have outstanding child support, guess what? It's going to show up on title work. You're not going to be able to get away with it okay. because I process mortgages like that. And the person who was applying for the mortgage is like, "We mean, I have outstanding child support." No, I don't. And I said, "Is this your social security?" security number is this your date of birth is this? They're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, then this child support lien is yours and it needs to be paid. And they're like, well, what if I can't pay it? I said, you're not going to get approved for the loan. So don't hide anything. Be upfront with the lender because the more you hide, the more they're going to find and the more it's not going to look good on you.
0: Yeah. So like I mentioned earlier, you are the project manager, the executive assistant. You wear all of the hats for a brokerage that has over 800 agents. And you get to see the agents from the very beginning when they join the brokerage all to the the ones that have been there for over 20 years. So for the agents that are on the higher threshold, the ones that are the top producers, the ones that are consistently busy, what do you think is one of the biggest factors for why they're able to sustain such a good business?
1: Well, one of the factors is I think because I have a mindset that is different than the newer agent or the part time agent. And part of that mindset is from our CEO owner is that if you're not making money, you're not going to go on vacation because a lot of the top producers in our company, and there's a lot of them, if you look at them, a lot of them go away a lot yeah. or a lot least, of them at least four times a year. Or a lot of them take time, even if it's a couple days, they take time and they go do something local, like they'll go to New York for a weekend or whatever. So a lot of our top producing agents, especially at our brokerage, which is the even though we're an independent brokerage, I don't call us a small brokerage. I call us a kind of fairly big brokerage for being mm-hmm. independent with over eight hundred agents. So going on vacation and having a mindset that if anyone can do it, you can do it, and you have to prove to yourself that you can do it, but also also working out not changing your daily routine just to get a transaction. So for me, I wake Mm -hmm. up in the morning, I do a couple quick stretches, take a shower, I get ready, I go to the office. When I get to the office, I make a to do list for the day. And then I do some more stretches before I sit down for the day. And sometimes when I work, I stand up and I work and I do stretches while I'm working. So for me, that's kind of my routine. If I stray from my routine, the rest of the day, I'm like squirrel brain. And I'm like, wait a second, what was I going to do? I can completely forget what I'm going to do. So if I miss any of my, I guess, routines or my daily ritual, (laughs) daily habit, the rest of my day is thrown off. And I'm like, I feel so out of whack that I cannot focus. So, so I think having that, a set routine also helps.
0: So, for agents that want to elevate their business, really focusing in on mindset and consistency are two of the small things that they can do themselves on a daily basis that don't cost any money and help that production happen.
1: Yes. And for me, one of the things that I do, and I can thank you for this, is that if I wake up and I'm like, Ugh, I don't want to do this today, or I'm not feeling this today, I have a sticker. I'm not going to say what it says because it's inappropriate, but you can imagine it's an inappropriate, colorful language, and then it says your mood. Uh, it's okay.
0: We can say it out loud because this isn't a PJ podcast. So a couple of years ago at a Tom Ferry summit, there was a guest speaker and the whole motivational speech was about when he hiked Mount Everest and he just kept reminding himself that it's all a mindset game. And his motto for that trip was fuck your mood, do it anyway. And so we have these amazing stickers that had been made up. And for my coaching clients, I pass those on because we do need to remember every day that our success is in our mindset. And if you can get up every day, remind yourself that you're unemployed and get to work and do good by your clients and do good by the people in your sphere, you're going to make money.
1: So when my mindset isn't good, I just look at the sticker and I'm like, just fuck your mood and do it anyway, because you're gonna do it anyway. So just fuck the mood and do it. Get it done. So it's
0: much better when we say it out.
1: It is but I didn't know it could so I didn't want to like and for all of our viewers out there,
0: you have to remember that we're from New England, New England girls, New England, communities that's like just a term of endearment we're not like the south or the west where you have to be more proper so hopefully we didn't offend you today but that's just although they're are. not
1: as proper as you think they are in the south because bless your heart does not mean god bless you or bless your heart or whatever it's telling you to yeah i didn't know if you knew that but little trivia fact so anytime you hear somebody in the south say bless your heart they're telling you politely to fuck off oh my gosh that's crazy i heard that on the radio the other day and i'm like nah and then i hold it and I'm like. And if you put it
0: in context when people have said that to you before, it probably makes more sense. Yes. I'm going to have to ask my girlfriend, Tracy Dugan, about that because when we were just recently in Frisco together, I think she said, bless your heart to me like five times. And maybe she was actually telling me to go away. I don't know.
1: Ask her, see what she says.
0: So we're just kind of wrapping up today. At the end of each episode, as you know, because I know you're a listener, I ask, what is one piece of empowering advice you can give to the other females in our industry?
1: One piece of advice. Treat your clients clients and this goes for anyone not just females is I tell my clients up front you might hate me there's gonna be times that you like me there's gonna be times that you don't like what I'm telling you there's gonna be times that you want to argue with me there's gonna be times that you want to swear at me go ahead do it all because guess what it's not gonna affect me personally it's just part of the transaction and guess what am I gonna kick you to the curb after closing no am I gonna forget about you no are you just gonna be some contact in my phone no you're gonna be family you're gonna become family throughout this transaction you're not getting rid of me because guess what I'm still gonna pop up in your life I'm gonna send you house anniversary cards or I'm gonna text you I might even pop up at some random time leave something on your doorstep when you're not home or just knock on the door when you're home surprise visit tell my clients that no matter how the transaction goes no matter how mad you get no matter how much you want to hate me I'm still gonna love you I'm still gonna consider you family and with my clients right now for western New Hampshire we're already like at that family. And they're already like, we can't wait to have you over for holidays with our family and whatever. They're like, they love me. They already, they already are referring me to friend like 10 plus acres in New Hampshire, but he'll probably reach out to me midwinter because he doesn't want to do anything till next year. So that just goes to show that this transaction hasn't even closed yet. And just because of how I've treated them like family and vice versa, they're already no like and trust me because they're already referring me to their friends. And we didn't even have a conversation about referrals or whatever. I just said, hey, guys, if you know anyone that wants to look in New Hampshire and Maine, let me know. And I'd be more than happy to help them. And they're like, oh, great. They're like, we weren't even going to ask you if we could send these people to you. We were just going to tell them about you because you've been awesome this entire time. So I said, well, that's perfect then. So just treat your client like family. Because if you treat them just like a number at a deli or just to get paid, or just because you want the sale to be the top five in the company or the top 25, don't waste your time because guess what? They're going to treat you how you're treating them and you're not going to like it.
0: And you're right. That does go through, you know, whether you're a male or a female agent, no matter how long you've been experienced in the industry, it's excellent, excellent advice. And the reality is, is that most families have love-hate relationships. So, you know, we are in a position in our career where we get to have these really intimate relationships, intense, intimate relationships, with our clients. And the fact that you want to carry that on after closing in them a client for life is so impressive. So awesome job, Ashley. Thank you. Thank you so much for being a guest today and sharing with our listeners all of your experience and knowledge.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: No, this was your first podcast. It was. Was it fun?
1: It was.
0: All right, cool. We did it. We got it over with.